understanding the fear of the Lord. So let's, uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, at least most of us. So I thank you, Lord, and I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Understanding the fear of the Lord. Now that sounds a bit scary, but you've got to balance it in what Scripture says. Um, in 2 Timothy 1-7, to all my scriptures will come from the New King James Version, unless I say otherwise. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now that's a spirit of fear. That's a demon. And God hasn't given, the, given us that spirit. So what does it mean, therefore, the fear of the Lord? For instance, in Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So that's two kinds of fear, isn't it? Spirit of fear, which God doesn't give us, and then an encouragement to have the fear of the Lord. So what is the fear of the Lord? How is that different? That's what we're going to explore today. Now, I particularly like the reference that I came across from the, old, the list of Old Testament laws. It's, and I wonder why. It says, Leviticus 19.32, You shall rise before the grey-headed and honour the presence of an old man like George and fear your God. I am the Lord. Isn't that great? Again, it says, fear, fear your God. In the presence of a grey-headed man. So let's look at uh, what, what, is, what is the dictionary meaning? Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology. How about that? I bet you haven't got that in your library. <laughs> Neither have I. I just Googled it. <laughs> Eugene Merrill says, While the normal meaning of fear as dread or terror is retained in the theological use of the terms, a special Nuance of reverential awe or worshipful respect becomes the dominant notion. Usually, however, the fear of the Lord is an inducement to obedience and service to fear God is to do his will. To fear God is to do his will. Let that sink in. To fear God is to know him and to know him is to fear him. Such healthy fear enables one to praise God, to enjoy benefits and blessings of, of his hand, to rest in peace and security, and to experience length of days. That means you live longer if you fear the Lord. But fear of God also produces fear of wrath, anger, and judgment in those who do not know him or who refuse to serve him. So let's have a closer look at what the Bible says about the fear of the Lord rather than what other people say. And let's just explore it. In Deuteronomy, Moses brings a call to Israel uh, for wholehearted commitment. And he said, the, these are the commands, decrees and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. 
you must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. You and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live. You and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you may have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord of your God, your ancestors, promised you. So there is a real promise if you have a healthy and respectful fear of the Lord. Then uh, after Moses came Joshua. And he then led Israel. And look what he says to them in Joshua 24, 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord. And serve him sincerely and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river. And in Egypt, Egypt, serve the Lord. So then moving along past Joshua to when the, when the Israelites demanded a king, and so Samuel was led to anoint Saul as king. Samuel then said to the people, 1 Samuel twelve fourteen, If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. In Psalms, there are some enlightening verses, references to the fear of the Lord. Psalm 33, 8, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Psalm 33, 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. So the Lord is around those of us who fear him. He's not around, of, around us for those who don't fear him and willfully sin. Because if, if Christians are willfully sinning, they've obviously got no fear of the Lord. Psalm 34, 11. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Proverbs gives us some vital understanding of the importance of fearing the Lord. Proverbs 1 to 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 2, 2 and 5. If you incline your ear to wisdom, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance, and the evil way. Proverbs 10.27, the fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Proverbs 14.26, in the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. So what about the New Testament? Was having a healthy fear of God out the window because we're now under a period of grace? Far from it. In the book of Acts, we read why at one stage the early church was prospering 
Acts 9.31. Then the church throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Remember the Bible story about the, um, the itinerant exorcist, Jewish exorcist? They took it upon themselves to call on the name of Jesus over those who had evil spirits. They wanted to cast some demons out of some people and they were using the name of Jesus. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And in Acts 19, 16 to 18 it says what happened. Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to both Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified and many who believed came confessing and telling their, their deeds. So when people saw that someone trying to cast out demons didn't really know Jesus, they got beaten up. And that brought a fear of God upon, upon people. So that's a quick scriptural overview of the fear of God. And you can do a word search yourselves and look up the fear of God or fear of the Lord and see what it says in, in context. So what, you may ask, does the fear of the Lord mean? Well, I like some thought from Johanna Reardon, which she says in, the, in, a, in a blog that I found on Christianity Today. What does it mean to fear God? You can look that up, www.christianitytoday. She says, I often hear people explain the fear of the Lord as a mere respect or reverence. But the Bible uses the word fear at least 300 times in reference to God. So we make a mistake when we downplay it. Scripture is full of examples of how fearing God is positive rather than a negative thing. At least you think this is only an Old Testament note that Jesus states states the stronger than anyone when he says in Matthew 10, 28, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Johanna goes on to say in this article, the Apostle Paul says to work towards complete holiness because we fear God. And in context, he's talking about the Corinthian church, which he was calling to repentance. In 2 Corinthians 7 to 1, 7 1, therefore having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of, of God. Johannes says further, so it's clear from these passages that fearing God is good because it saves us from caving into our own sinful nature. That's why hearing that someone is God-fearing actually makes us trust that person more. If they fear God, they are more likely to keep their word and treat others with kindness. In fact, Romans 3, which is um, a classic chapter on sin, 
says that our chief sin is that we have no fear of God at all. Look it up, Romans 3.18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. He's talking about the people that are got sin in their lives and aren't following God. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So how does the fear of God, whose perfect love takes away fear, how does that balance? Um, some guy called William D. Eisenhower puts it this way in an article I saw, Fearing God, which is also in Christianity today. As I walk with the Lord, I discover that God poses an ominous threat to my ego, but not to me. He rescues me from my delusions so he may reveal the truth that sets me free. He casts me down only to lift me up again. He sits in judgment of my sin but forgives me nevertheless. Fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but love from the Lord is its completion. I also like what Mike Bennett says, an article I came across um, in the Life, Hope and Truth by Mike Bennett. He says, So rather than a paralyzing terror, the positive fear of the Lord taught in the Bible is a key element in change. It helps us to have a proper, humble perspective of ourselves in relation to our awesome God. It helps us in times of temptation when we need to remember the serious consequences of disobeying God and motivates us to become more like our loving creator. By doing these things, the fear of the Lord helps bring eternal benefits, and he quotes from Proverbs as well. Proverbs 23, 17-18, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but, the, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day, for surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. Proverbs 14.27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life and who, who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited for evil. So what does that writer mean? Um, we need to remember the serious consequences of disobeying God. And what did Jesus mean in Matthew 10, 28, when he said, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in, in hell. Jesus also said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And this is the warning Paul Paul gives in Hebrews, Hebrews 6, 4-6. For it is impossible, impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Now it doesn't mean to say we don't keep praying for those who are backsliders because we don't know if they've reached that state. But there is a great danger that if you have been filled with the Holy Spirit and have been moving with God and then move away, 
there will become a point where you can't come back to her. That's what that scripture says. Janet was telling me that of all the people that were with her at the Lifeway Training School, filled with the Spirit, serving God, very few of them are going on for God. Isn't that sad? I would say that that verse alone should be enough warning to Christians to remain faithful to their Lord and Saviour, to do his will and not to backslide. The reverential fear of the Lord is designed to help us grow to become more like God, to grow in love. And this growth removes any need to be terrified of God's judgment except if you reject God. And don't be mistaken, the heresy of universalism, which is a current teaching sweeping the world in some quarters, is that everyone will go to heaven. This teaching is clearly debunked in Scripture. Look, look, at, look at when Paul talks about God's final judgment and glory. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-10. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those. This is what happens when Christ comes back. When the Lord is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in the saints. So do you have loved ones, family and friends who are away from the Lord? I trust that you are interceding for them day and night. Eternity in hell is a real thing. And Jesus calls us to repent from my sin, follow him and obey him to receive forgiveness of sin and eternity in his presence. And our family and friends can only be reached by you and I, and sharing God's love and mercy and power with them, and interceding for them. Janet and I make the, the following dec declaration as a scriptural promise for our family members every day, every week. Acts 16.31 So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved you and your household. We pray that out and we believe it and praise God we are seeing the prodigals in our extended whanau beginning to come to salvation and restoration one by one. Back to Mike Bennett for a comment, he says, God wants his laws written on our hearts. For example, even if we had no fear of being caught, we would choose to never steal from others because we love them and, and God. We must never lose our respect and appreciation for God, but we should, 
should grow beyond being motivated solely by fear and rather be motivated by God's love, having a deep love and respect for God and his words. And I love it when the Lord confirms the message he wants me to bring because this isn't an easy message to bring. Each morning I follow the YouVersion app on my tablet and uh, the Bible in One Year 2019 plan. Uh, and only yesterday, said day, the devotional which preceded the Bible chap- chapters I had to read said this. Whereas the Spirit of God does not produce negative fear, there is a kind of healthy fear, the fear of God. This does not mean being frightened of God. In fact, it means the opposite. It is understanding. It is an understanding of who God is in relationship to us. It means respect, reverence, awe, honour, adoration and worship. It could even be translated as love for God. It recognises the power, majesty and holiness of God Almighty. It leads to a healthy respect of God and is the antidote to all other fears and phobias that we experience in life. Fear God and you need not fear anything else or anyone else. You know, it's no coincidence that as the fear of God has decreased in our society, all the other fears have increased. People are fearful of the future. They're fearful of their finances. They're fearful of spiders. They're fearful of fear. They're fearful of rejection because they don't know God. They haven't got God in their lives. So the world is full of fear. It's not a healthy fear. We need to return to a right relationship with God. The devotional, and it was just amazing that I read this yesterday morning. Then goes on to say, the idea of the fear of the Lord is one of the key themes of Proverbs and appears 21 times throughout that book. And an important passage in Proverbs is Proverbs 1, 21 to 32, which is a warning against ignoring the Lord's voice and following the path of waywardness and complacency. You can look it up for yourselves when you get get home. It is a choice that you make if you are wise. You will begin to fear the Lord and listen to him. He promises that you will live in safety and be, be at ease without fear of harm. Choose to fear God. Listen to him and repent when he corrects you. If you do, God will reveal to you more than you could ever imagine. Look at Proverbs 1.23. If you will turn and pay attention to my rebuke, behold, I, wisdom, will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. You know, wisdom in, is personified in the book of uh, Proverbs. And as we read it through the lens of the New Testament, we know that it is Jesus who is the wisdom of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.24. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So when Proverbs talks about seek wisdom, it's actually talking about seek Jesus. Proverbs one thirty three, New Living uh, Translation. But all who listen to me will live in peace 
and troubled by fear or harm. All who listen to me, that's wisdom, that's Jesus, will live in peace, untroubled by fear or harm. Let's pray the prayer that you can see on screen. Lord, I choose to fear you, to live a life in reverence and awe of your power, majesty and holiness. Help me to live life fearing you alone. Let's just bow our heads and pray and ask the Lord if there's any area in your life that you need to confess to him as sin, ask him to forgive you and ask him to give you a healthy fear of the Lord, which means reverence, awe, worship. Just pray that prayer now. Thank you, Lord.